You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. All right, this is Chris Webster, and I've never hosted the 8-Bit Test Pit podcast before. However, since we haven't had an episode out in this feed in a long time, I thought um, I would bring on uh, somebody I know who posts about gaming quite a bit and, and is also an archaeologist and, and familiar with this thing. And we're both at the we're actually recording in my room at the Marriott Wardman Park Hotel uh, for the Society at the Society for Archaeology American Archaeology Conference in Washington D.C. 2018 uh, on April 15th. And the subject of Pokemon Go has come up for me recently, and I remember people talking about this a long time ago. So we're going to talk about that, but first. Uh, my guest and sort of co-host for this, because I'm not really going to direct a lot of questions, we're just going to have a conversation, um, is Adam Spring. Welcome to the show, Adam. I'm happy to riff with you. Not a problem. <laughs> not a problem at all. There you go. So uh, I wanted to bring this back up because, you know, a year and a half ago, it was like, what, August 2016 or something like that, Pokemon Go released to the public uh, for smartphones. And there was an uproar amongst archaeologists about, you know, the Pokestops and the gyms and things like that being located at historical places. But you have some knowledge of how this kind of developed and maybe why those things are there um, or, you know, where the where where the company that developed Pokemon Go kind of got all this. So let's start right there and, and get. Yeah. A so basically, you know, unfortunately, we've got terrible sort of Internet in this room, so I can't basically look up, <laughs> look up some of the facts. But um, I, so I've written about this quite a bit. It was based on something called Ingress, which essentially is um, basically a, a lineage thing from Keyhole, which became Google Earth. So, uh, Michael Hunker, I believe his name is, if you go to my medium page, I've done a recent update on this. So all of the information's there, including connections to ingress. Um, he basically decided, you know, he was in Google, he'd taken Google earth as far as he could go and he wanted to do something next. So he went to um, his bosses and he said, okay, I'm going to go off and do a startup. And they're like, okay, how about we fund it? So a Google startup called Niantic labs. Um, now, the archaeological interest for that is the fact, and again, if you go to my Medium post, I talk about this. There are parts of San Francisco um, that are actually built on reclaimed cove land. So there are actually a load of old boats from the 1850s relating to the gold rush. Right, right. And the Niantic was basically one of these things. And the reason why he called it Niantic Labs is because it was this idea of things being there in the background where you could walk past it every day, but it was still there. So Ingress, which what Pokemon Go is basically built on, it is literally Ingress, but with Pokemon instead of Ingress. The whole idea behind it was taking his knowledge of digital mapping and using that to try and solve the problem of, okay, everybody's got smartphones now. They're starting to not want to engage with each other in a public setting. They'd much rather be on their phones. So let's create a narrative and superimpose it onto maps. So what Ingress was, was actually taking the idea of an alien race would come to Earth and there would be two teams. You would either be in the faction that you've seen them as a force for good or you've seen them as a, you know, the polite way of putting it, force for bad. <laughs> and essentially what he did is he created an entire narrative around this. And, you know, there's also videos and continued updates even to this day, um, you know, time stamping this in April of 2018. There's new updates and changing rules. And, you know, from the discussions we were having off mic, Clearly, they're now doing that with Pokemon Go again, because the key thing behind all of this, um, regardless of whether you're using your phone or your tablet or augmented reality, the fundamental thing is about relationships between people and how you can basically use technology as a means of supporting a sustaining community. 
Yeah. And, and that's a really good point because that's, you know, I, I didn't, my, my wife downloaded Pokemon Go. She had a bunch of friends that were playing it when it first came out. And I was just like leering at her going, oh, you know, you're just, what are you doing? You know, put your, put your head up, you know, focus on what we're walking in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's playing yeah. this, she's doing this thing. And then she kind of let it die like a month and a half later. Like, I think a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon and then let it die. Well, it came back into focus for us um, a few weeks ago and I downloaded it just to, you know, see what it was. And I actually, to, to speak to the bringing people together aspect of it, um, I've done a lot of geocaching in my life. Yep. And, and totally. one of the things I love about geocaching is that, you know, when I go to a new place, um, I actually strangely haven't done any here because this conference has been so busy, but yeah. usually I'll pull up my app and you don't even need a GPS anymore. You just pull up the app yeah. and these things, this world of small hidden containers is around you and nobody else knows it. It's almost like this fifth dimensional thing that's just like layered on top of reality and that's what geocaching it, it's very similar well and then and then go to pokemon go it's layered on top of maps like you said yeah, yeah, yeah. and the whole concept of uh like and i love tying this back to archaeology and the thought that pretty much everywhere you go there's stuff under you that's historical absolutely you know and, and yeah. i mean they're they're digging up stuff in new york city yep built on top of the old city and finding not only historic but prehistoric remains and san francisco's the same way like you said and a lot of places are like that where there's just stuff underneath us that we're aware of, this other layer of reality in, in the past that's there. And one of the things I like about just looking at Pokemon Go is that it is built on a layer of reality, but there's this there's this almost other dimension of creatures and beings that live in this thing. And if you have the viewer, yeah. which is the Pokemon Go app, um, another thing is reminding me is, did you see Valerian? Not seen it yet. No. Well, I'll just tell you one scene in Valerian. They're basically in this desert, this big walled enclosure yeah, yeah, in this yeah. desert, and people are just milling around. But if you have the actual, it's an actual other dimension. So yeah, it's yeah, this yeah. huge, basically shopping mall with like over a million stores or something like that. <laughs> and you put on this device and you're transported to this other dimension, but you're still like right there. But your, yeah. your, your body projection is in this other dimension and you go shopping. And then you come out through the dimensional portal and you bring your other dimensional objects and it converts them into three dimensional space. And uh, that's kind of how I see it. It's kind of neat to to do that. And then the whole community aspect of bringing people together, we'll we'll get into. But um, yeah, well, I think that you know the two things, are, you know, the mixed reality element to it. So you know, we, there's a couple of stories with this one. On you know, on the Pokemon Go thing, there's as we were discussing previously, you can be in public spaces and you'll see a group of people walking around. Like for example, near where I live, there's a town, and I knew there was a Pokemon Go gym there. Mm-hmm. And it, ironically enough, they'll place them in certain places. Like this was outside of a, a police station. So like the teenagers, they could have fun, <laughs> but they wouldn't have too much fun, you know? Right. So I knew there was a Pokemon gym in this town. And then one day, um, my wife and I were just walking around and it was like this herd of people like following stuff around with their phone. And it's like, okay, this there's clearly something going on with, <laughs> with Pokemon in here. And, you know, like we were discussing before, they're now making efforts to sort of keep it fresh and keep it going. So they're changing the rules and they're making community events and things like that. Mm-hmm. So one of these things were going on. So, you know, you've got the mixed reality element to it, but you've also got what Doug Engelbart called something called the augmenting the collective IQ. Mm-hmm. So you've got people coming together and using uh, devices as a, as a facilitator. So as, you know, as a, a transmitter and a receiver of knowledge or, you know, again, coming back to that point about what Anchor was trying to do is actually bringing people together. So you've almost got like this, this little subtle sort of way of, okay, you know, you guys would otherwise maybe be inside gaming and talking to each other online, but I'm actually going to get you outside physically being together, you know? Um, right. And then the other thing about what you were saying as well, when I was 
when you were discussing some of your points, I was actually thinking about a friend of mine when I introduced him to Ingress, uh, and this is 100% absolutely fact honest. Uh, <laughs> he actually drove around his town, and in terms of geocaching, the, the jewel-like um, things you can collect, he actually created a Pac-Man throughout his entire time. He actually spent awesome. an entire evening driving around so he could basically <laughs> geocache an image of Pac-Man. So if you went in and looked at Billings, Montana at one stage, <laughs> that basically you would have seen a giant Pac-Man in Ingress. So That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, speaking of the, the, going back to the community aspect of stuff, um, I think as with most video games, uh, you've always got uh, a few people that are just super hardcore and like, especially with online gaming these days and opening it up to, you know, back in the day when it was just your local arcade, uh, and it was just the local people, yeah. you probably knew who was on the high score list, right? Absolutely, yeah. But now it's it's a percentage of people that you'll never know, and it's probably an 11-year-old, you know, yeah. autistic kid. Yeah. I mean, honestly, to say that, people that just, like, super laser focus on something, and you get so good at it that nobody can touch them. Well, Pokemon Go's probably got the same thing. They got a bunch of people, level 40 is, like, the highest Absolutely. you can get, and it's logarithmic, so it takes a long time to get there. But... You get those people that are just either been playing it for a really long time. Well, it's only been out a year and a half, but um, they've either been playing it for the whole time or they just got super laser focused. But then there's the rest of everybody else who maybe kind of picks it up every once in a while. And those people, I think, are the ones that, that we should focus on from a historical standpoint, because there's there's a gym and a Pokestop like right at the arch in downtown Reno, the, the yeah, Reno yeah, Arch. Yeah. It, yeah. The arch is like across the street from where we yeah. live. So yeah, we go yeah, down yeah, there all yeah. the time. Yeah. And on one of these buildings is, uh, I actually don't know the full history of it, but it fa fastened into the wall is like a, a, a recreation of like the Blarney Stone in uh, oh, okay. Scotland. Yeah. And Ireland. Sorry. Sorry, you're talking sorry, to a Brit. Ireland. You're, talking, you're talking to a Brit. You're talking to a Brit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should edit that out, but I won't. Uh, anyway, so it's right on the wall there and people come up and touch it and stuff, but that's in one of the images on the, on the Pokestop and for the, for the, related to the gym as well. So I think. I think that these things are good, going back to the historical aspect of these stops and, and how they're created there. I, I think that, uh, I think it's actually a good thing nowadays. Now that the kind of craze is over, yeah. you'll have the crazy people that are going to these things. They're not focusing on where they're at or what they're doing. They don't care about interacting with other people. They're just collecting, you know, Pokemon and doing their thing and collecting experience points. But other people are going to go there and they're actually interacting with the things and the exactly. stuff that they're around. Exactly, and I yeah. think that's a great thing. And also with these community days and the new, like I guess new-ish raid battle thing that they came up with like a few months ago is there's a certain time frame where the only way you can beat the thing at the gym is to collect a whole bunch of people together with you. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. can't do it by yourself and yeah. generally. Yeah. And so it it brings people together. Sure, for the time that they're doing it, they're all heads down and focused, but they're working collectively as a team, a group of people that don't know each other. And then when it's over, you you can't play again. You know, so you lift your heads up and, oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe if more archaeologists and people interested in history were were not shunning these things, but engaging in these things, when everybody lifts their heads up after the, the battle is over, um, you can be like, hey, did you know we're standing on a, a, a historic location here? Uh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. The part of the history of our city. Yeah. This is the whatever. And you can engage people that way. Yeah. It's another way for public engagement, really. Yeah, and I mean, archaeology is an interesting example because you know, we're talking about Pokemon Go, we're talking about you know AR, augmented reality, and I think from a communal aspect, it's easier to see the long-term value of AR than virtual reality. Yeah. Virtual reality is still a very individual thing, and mm -hmm. you know, 
even back in the 90s, you look at the video game industry, they were trying to crack the problem then and it wasn't cracked then. And I, to be honest with you, even now, I, you know, it'll stay around for a while, but I don't see it being easily to be mass adopted. And I think coming back to the point of view from Pokemon Go and the AR thing, there's two things there that are immediately apparent in the sense that you've got the edutainment value of it. So yeah. if you're going around a site being able to, you know, put your phone up to a board and maybe have somebody talking to you. And, you know, that isn't science fiction. If you get a bottle of wine called 19 Crimes, they've actually created a thing <laughs> where you actually, if you put your phone up by the uh, label, then the person that was uh, the convict from Australia will start talking to you and telling them the life story. That's awesome. So, you know, you've got the digital narrative elements of it. And then, you know, if you look at video gaming in itself and look at something like Assassin's Creed, the latest Assassin's Creed as of, you know, us talking in April 2018, they actually employed an archaeologist to look at the reconstruction of Memphis. Hmm. And I only know that because I've, I've never played Assassin's Creed, but I had a friend of mine who did his PhD in Egyptology and he was like calling me saying, this is fantastic. My PhD was on Memphis and they have done a totally sort of accurate based on the fact that we have reconstruction of the site. And that and that's fantastic because people, the, the, the quote general public, um, yeah. people who aren't doing history and, you know, archaeological analysis and interpretation for a living yeah they generally just want experiences exactly they, yeah they don't yeah i mean sure they'll sit down in front of a tv show and watch something for a while but um really people learn through experiences and i think if you if you can uh this goes i mean this is really the thesis of the whole archaeo gaming thing but if you can accurately create an environment that people can interact with and as long as you manufacture that interaction in a way that's not like disrespectful to the environment in a way, yeah. like I suppose in, in Assassin's Creed, I've never played that either, but I assume it's a first person shooter type of game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone running around sort of, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and some people might have uh, objections if you're, um, you know, if you've got historically accurate recreations of like monuments and things like that and buildings and historical structures and somebody shooting them up or running a car into them. Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> that yeah. could be an issue. Yeah. But if you if you create the narrative in such a way and you tell people this is an actual real place and it's not just a video game it's a video game layered on a real place that's hard to see in in video games like that because they probably don't make that blatantly obvious like yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody in korea playing it might know oh this is memphis but do they really process the fact that this is an actual city and these are actual buildings this yeah. is really what it looks like that's one thing i like about pokemon go is that while they don't have virtual reconstructions of buildings in there You've got the layout. You can tell where you're at in your neighborhood, in your town. Yeah. You can see the streets. You can see the buildings. I, I kind of wish they had street names and stuff and like really made it a, a true map and, and environment. Yeah. And yeah, also yeah. people are freaked out about privacy um, because I'd also like to see like ways or something where you can see almost a delayed representation of where somebody yeah. was. Yeah. See yeah, other yeah, people yeah. actively yeah. The playing peer, the on the map. The peer to peer element to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but I don't know. It, it's just there's so many ways to involve the community engaging with history. We've got to do it right. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the other thing is as well, because as we were talking about off mic, one of the next things that's coming up, because Arcor, which is uh, Project Tango, which was a Google 3D imaging um, mobile device, tablet, and phone, um, which then Lenovo and Asus tried to do stuff, but it never worked. Mm -hmm. They did bring them out, but they, they basically they bellied up. Arcor is now their AR equivalent, and the next thing to come up, and, you know, reminded this because you mentioned Korea, a Korean team has actually used that to create a Ghostbusters app. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, and for me as a massive Ghostbusters fan, <laughs> you think about the ability now to actually have Stay Puft on a building. 
<laughs> in front of you. You know, it, it's it take it kind of takes that oh, idea of Pokemon Go and stuff like that to the next level. Because I mean, you think about it and you think about the viewpoint of it. Pokemon is, although you, you know, you, there is a macro element to it when you're actually engaging with the Pokemon itself. It's kind of micro. Yeah. You know, but to have something like the size of Stay Puft and to be able to look at building and he he's there type thing. Right. And then you've got another level. I mean, I get the next level of engagement using AR and a mobile devices, you know, yeah. your medium of communication, I think. You know? Well, and if you have the ability to put him anywhere, you're not just finding him somewhere. Yeah. Like if you can put him anywhere. I, I was experimenting with some AR stuff when I got my iPhone 10 yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, some AR apps. And there was one where you could just generate like these weird animals and shapes and things like that and just have it appear in front of you. Well, people will no doubt, you know, put Stay Puft Marshmallow Man on top of Stonehenge or oh, absolutely. on Easter Island, will, yeah. you know, Moai or something like that. Yeah. And then yeah, post yeah, yeah. that on the internet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and some people are going to get pretty offended by that. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we got to just be... I think at the on the one hand we need to be conscious of those things, but on the other hand we need to kind of relax about that stuff just a little bit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because yeah, no, no, it's no, getting absolutely. people engaged in a way. And I know. think that I think that's uh, that. I mean, you know, we're talking at the SAAs and a lot of the digital sessions here um, to keep on course, but maybe go off on a slight tangent. It's been interesting because I think regardless of what you're using in terms of the digital overall. You know, whether it's AR, whether it's a laser scanner, whether it's anything else along those lines, even a, even a camera. I think the thing to really think about is engagement and long-term narrative, because ultimately that's a thing that's going to keep information flowing and start to give a long-term perspective. And I think, you right. know, obviously coming at it from an archaeological viewpoint, you look at things like Pokemon Go, you look at things like Ingress, you look at things like Arcor and the emerging Ghostbusters app as of April 2018. A big thing there is accessibility in the sense that you can use these things on your phone. Mm -hmm. You don't need an otherwise specialist equipment, but the other side of it is as well, in terms of narrative, you can use these things to engage with objects and places in a way that you haven't necessarily done that before, or more to the point, communicate it to other people that might not be archaeologists, right. you know, and do so in a way where you never know, you know, somebody may become interested enough to actually study it more, or in terms of stewardship, Education may increase to a level whereby, you know, people are aware of sites, you know, so if something's going on and they're <laughs> a bit fishy about it, they know what to do in terms of contacting people and, right. you know, potentially helping the preservation of a place or an, or an object. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, let's take a break for a second. And uh, when we come back, I want to uh, talk about a little bit more history and then possibly some, some future. Fantastic. All right. This network is supported by our listeners. You can become a supporting member by going to arcpodnet.com slash members and signing up. As a supporting member, you have access to high quality downloads of each show and a discount at our online store and access to show hosts on a members only Slack team. For professional members, we'll have training shows and other special content offered throughout the year. Once again, go to arcpodnet.com slash members to support the network and get some great extras and swag in the process. That's arcpodnet.com slash members. The Archaeology Podcast Network has partnered with T Public to bring you some awesome gear that looks good, promotes archaeology, and puts a few pennies in our pockets so you can get free podcasts. Check out our designs at arcpodnet.com slash shop. That's arcpodnet.com slash shop. All right, we're back and we're talking about RQ Gaming and we initially started this discussion with a discussion of Pokemon Go. Uh, and I, I want to bring it back to that real quick because I intended to ask you this early on, but 
Do you know uh, what the basis of and how they were decided on and how they were created and maybe how we can change and have new ones made? But the Pokestop and gym locations, how do we do you know the history of that and, and why those locations are which the locations that were chosen? No, I don't. But based on what I've seen, there has been a conscious effort of thinking about community in the sense of, like I mentioned before, one of the gyms that was near us was actually by a police station. So they're, <laughs> they're thinking about, they clearly are looking at some form. Yeah. You know, it, it's still Google based, right? So basically like they're, they're clearly looking at demographic data in some yeah. respect. Well, and, and people can have them sponsored too. It looks like the only yeah. sponsored one I've ever seen is Starbucks. Every single yeah. Starbucks has a Pokestop and it says sponsored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, well, but I've never seen any other sponsored Pokestop. But again, you know, coming back, to the, that's actually an interesting point because coming back to the Google thing, their main money is ad revenue. Yeah. So, you know, augmented reality has become a popular thing. And, you know, there are billboards where you can go, I can't remember where it was. It may have been in Europe somewhere. But anyway, there was a billboard that you could go past. And if you had your phone and you had the app that they, they'd created, basically it would, it would start, you know. Yeah showing stuff it wouldn't, it wouldn't talk to you but it would like flash stuff at you and right. things like that so there's clearly going to be yeah if you want to you know have a pokemon gym like you said near starbucks or a community center or anything there is clearly a an ad revenue stream to that so yeah right or or using some using some forethought in this and actually applying if you can to have a gym or a pokestop at at a historic location, but you get to decide where it's going to be. So put it in a spot where people can mill around within the sphere because you have to be in yep. close proximity to it yep, yep, yep. with a GPS on your device. So put it in an area where they're not going to damage or anything. But then like with the sponsored ones from Starbucks, I think they say something like some kind of special Pokemon Frappuccino that's not on the menu that you can go in and ask for. I don't there know if you go. can still do that. There we go. You see? So, yeah, yeah, see? And it clearly says sponsored right there. When you go in and you spin the thing, you know it's sponsored. You know it's Starbucks. There's no deception there. Yeah. So yeah. if you say this is sponsored by you know this local, uh, my the first thing that comes to mind honestly is this um, this rock art uh, spot that's in Nevada on the okay. on one of the highways. Okay. okay. It's a, it's a well known area called Grimes Point. You stop yeah. on the highway that's well signed, but some people might just not stop there because maybe they're not interested. But if you put a Pokestop there out in the middle of nowhere, oh, absolutely, people will stop there that are playing the game, and yeah. then they'll probably stop and stretch their legs and maybe go check out some rock art. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? No, absolutely. And put yeah. sponsored by the Nevada Historical Society or something like that. And now they're going to be aware that there is is a Nevada Historical Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or no, something absolutely. like that. Yeah, so absolutely. I think it could be used to our benefit rather than like we were just in the virtual and digital ethics forum uh, at the SAS this morning. And and I think uh, and I was speaking to somebody earlier, actually, um, at one of the an evening bar session, I think, about uh, archaeologists in TV. You know, we always shun the spotlight because of shows like Net Diggers and things on Nat Geo and, and stuff like that, where, oh, they're just going to mi- misrepresent us and I don't want to ruin my academic career and I don't want to ruin my credibility. But we need to, to probably just take those kinds of public facing things and own them and, and go yeah. in there and help create that narrative. And we can do that through, you know, Pokemon Go and create places for actual people to go rather than just bitching about it. And 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 own own the narrative rather than just complaining about it because it's not going to go away. Yeah, and I mean another good example of that as well is Facebook because you know I've had a conversation with a friend of mine before who's an archaeologist, uh, an archaeologist, and um, you know we were talking about I said, you know I've had enough of Facebook getting on my nerves. <laughs> I'm, you know I'm thinking about leaving it, and he was like, well, yeah, you can do that, but the trouble is if you don't engage with these things, you have no control over basically Absolutely. what is being presented about you or what your image is online, and I think. 
you know, it does, it ties into a broader thing of something called the tethered self. So although there is a physical self of who we are, again, coming back to all the points we've been talking about throughout this, there's also a digital self. Right. So it's, it's tying into that. And I think, yeah, with the Pokemon Go thing or anything along those lines, when you start interacting with something, elements of your personality and everything else start going into it as well. Right. So, you know, it's, you can complain about not engaging, but like you said about the, the TV archaeology thing, it's like, well, if you, yeah, if you don't like it, then do something about it. <laughs> and sometimes I think it, it takes soft skills, you know, I yeah. mean, cause I get very passionate and frustrated about a lot of the stuff that I see going on, particularly in what's now being called the digital humanities in its current form. And I could be really brash about it, but it's not going to do anything. Right. What's actually going to do something is actually talking to people. And I think that's the primary thing. It's communication, you know, and how you frame things and, you know, for want of a better term, choosing your battles. So, you know, at least if you can make one little difference, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of slightly veering off point, but it is kind of on theme. You know, if, if I can make one difference with one thing about what I perceive as the digital humanities and what's lacking in it at the moment, right? then, you know, it may not be to point you know, Z. Sorry, I'm British, not Z. Um, <laughs> but at least it might be the point B. Right. And that's, I think that's the thing that, that really kind of you need to think about sometimes, you know, and you can relate that back to Pokemon Go of, okay, wow, it may be people in a place looking for, you know, otherwise esoteric sort of like, you know, fictional characters, but at least they're in that place. Yeah. And at least they're absorbing some element to it. They will walk away from that site or that object with some form of cultural memory associated to that. And that will reap dividends somewhere. And the brilliance of the Pokemon Go interaction is that they'll return. Yeah, exactly. Because after a certain yeah. period of time, you can come back and get more things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we all know through advertising that it takes three or four hits in your brain. I mean, this is why I tell people podcast with podcast advertising. Listen, don't buy an ad for one show. Nobody's going nobody's exactly, to yeah. click on your thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You need to hit them over and over and over again yeah. before they finally remember, oh, I need to go to this thing and check it out. Yeah, it's called sticky you information. Know? Exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, back to your point, too, about, you know, we, about engaging with people and, and maybe if you can only change just a little bit. You know, our time is always very busy, especially, I, I feel like, especially archaeologists, we're always working on so many things. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, we're not, we don't have nine to five jobs and we take on too many projects and we're doing all kinds of things. Yep. So when somebody asks us to do something, we have to evaluate, is that a, a good use of my time? And I think one of the ways we see public outreach uh, and engaging the public is, is speaking at um, like historical society type events and things like that. Which I think people should do, but the honest truth is there's maybe 20 people, if you're if you're lucky, maybe 30 yeah, yeah, yeah. people sitting yeah. in front of you. Yeah. And this is why when I have done those speaking engagements, I've recorded it and yeah. I put it out as a podcast and then 5,000 more people get to hear it, right? Yeah. So if you can't do that, though, choose to spend your time on doing things that will engage more people. And your point to Facebook, I just I pulled up a statistic for the thing this morning Yeah, yeah. that was active. That was it was numbers as of the fourth quarter of 2017. Yep which are probably lower now given the Facebook mass exodus a little bit that's happened yeah, yeah, in the last yeah, couple of months. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. there were 2.2 billion monthly active users and monthly active user in the in the app development world is is defined as somebody who's logged into the platform and used it within the past 30 days. Yeah, yeah. That is phenomenal. That's a quarter of the world's population yeah, yeah, yeah. has yeah. logged into Facebook in yeah. the last 30 days. And you're telling, and people say, 
it's not effective and I don't want to be on there and I can't do any good on there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I mean, the other thing about Facebook as well, and because obviously the stuff that's been going on recently as of April, again, timestamping this 2018, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, is I think the thing we've got to remember is it's not going anywhere because the infrastructure's there. Right. In whatever form it is. It's kind of like if you go to a place and it's, you know, people have had like a company the buildings are there. They built the buildings, but then the company goes bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Those buildings are still there. The infrastructure is still there. It's still going to get used for something. And yet with Facebook, I think the interesting example about that is the ultimate thing I think with Facebook is it would be very telling if they finally let people delete their accounts without actually having to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. Because you can't actually delete your Facebook account unless you go to them and you say, look, I want this deleted. And then you have to give them a reason why. Right. So the fact that that hasn't changed, although you may have people like at the moment, oh, I'm no longer on Facebook, I'd, I'd be willing to bet 80% of them will end up back on Facebook at some point. You know, the, you the know? interesting thing about that is, though, like we're so concerned with our with our personal data, you know, on Facebook, and yet how many people do you know have, like when they filled out their Facebook profile, like their their full, full name is their name on Facebook. Yep. Like I don't know how many, why people do that. Their full name unabbreviated first name, middle name, and full last name are all on Facebook. And then you look and their birthdays on there, where they were phone born. Phone numbers, everything Phone else. number, yeah. everything yeah. publicly visible, right, yeah. with most people. Why did and they then, fill out all that willingly? Yeah, and then coming out, you know? coming back to the geocaching as well, every single location they're at, they're <laughs> tagging themselves in and saying, I'm here right yeah. now, I'm here right now, I'm here right now. And we seem to yeah. be hyper-concerned with that, and yet every, nearly every retail business we walk into has us on camera. And we don't go back to them a week later and say, delete the footage you have of me going into yeah. your store. Yeah. But we yeah. want Facebook to delete the evidence that we were in their store. Yeah. Facebook is a for-profit company that we choose to patronize. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet, and yet we're hyper concerned. It's my data. No, it's not. It's actually yeah. Facebook's data that you willingly gave them. But it's also, it's how the information's presented to you. And I think coming back yeah. to the Pokemon Go Stroke Ingress thing, you know, you think about the visualization of data with that. There's a buffer in the sense, or a mental buffer in the sense that it's a game, right? And right. you're interacting it with it for fun. There's an endorphin right. rush and everything else. If you were to turn around to somebody with their Facebook data and say, right, this is what 2018 looked like for you. You were here on this day at this time doing mm-hmm. this, doing that. They freak out. Yeah. They totally freak. But because there's, you know, you think about the way Facebook is, it's pretty, you know, there isn't. I mean, there's plenty of visual there, but there's no real detailed visual mm-hmm. stuff, you know, or the wall process of whereby you'll have a map and it'll say so-and-so is here at this time. Right. That then basically just gets the next feed that goes down, you know, it's, it's three or four posts down and stuff like that. <laughs> but if you were to actually say that, right, well, I've taken all your location stuff from this time and day and this is where you were. And did yeah. you enjoy that coffee in Starbucks on that day at that time? <laughs> they would think about it a little bit differently. You know? They would, and you know, at the same time, though, when I'm when I'm searching something on Amazon, and then I flip over to Facebook, and there's an ad for what I was searching for right there in my feed. Yeah. Um, I I actually don't I don't get freaked out by that too much. I appreciate that I don't have to see ads for stuff I don't actually want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I appreciate that they're targeted, and I I I am strong enough, I guess, psychologically with my purchasing power to say, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna succumb to this. Yeah. Although yeah, yeah. sometimes I have, I've been looking at something and saying. I don't know if it's the right time. Maybe I'll wait a little while. And yeah, then I see it yeah. 75 more times on Facebook. Okay, yeah. click. You yeah, know? yeah. That being said, all of us, uh, just about everybody, if you were to ask them if they could own their own business and work for themselves, they'd probably say yes, because yep. people want to work for themselves, right? They don't want to have a boss. And if you had any sort of business that dealt with customers, you would understand the value of understanding more about those customers than you 
then the more you know about your customers and what their actual needs are, the more you can get what you have straight to them. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. everybody gets that. And yet we're all also afraid of it being done to us. Yeah. And it's yeah, a weird yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you, you the, re, the retail store example, you know, if I owned a 7-Eleven and I knew walking in the door that you wanted a hot dog, I want there to be a hot dog in front of your face. Like, yeah. so you don't have to go anywhere for it. Yeah. yeah like you don't yeah. have to second guess it and buy something else. Yeah. You're going to buy a hot dog because it's right there. Yeah. And if I know that when you walk in, you know, that, yeah. then that coffee shops do that all the time. Your barista, if you go to the same coffee shop, the good baristas, I, I, I used to go to this one all the time and I, I have a drink I usually get, you know, with, uh, wherever I go and the good baristas, if you're regular, I mean, they're making it, if they're not busy, they're making it when they see you pull in. Yeah, you know, because they know what you want. And it's ready there for you. Yeah, and yet we we consider that a courtesy. But when Facebook delivers us the ad that they think we want, we consider that an invasion of our privacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. <laughs> but then again, I mean, you know, coming back to the Pokemon Go thing, it's like it is just ingress with Pokemon instead of ingress. Yeah. But everybody, you know, there was a cultural memory associated with Pokemon. Right. So it was kind of funny for me when the New York Times – uh, just there was this massive explosion in a short period of time of like Pokemon Go, this massive craze. But there are only a few articles that actually said, well, it was kind of this beforehand. And then mm-hmm. it's finally, it's made it work for this company. Right. You know, right. that. so it, yeah, it's, it's interesting how we sort of, yeah, how we put like coming back to the Facebook thing <laughs> and that it's interesting. It's interesting how we think about things as humans sometimes. Yeah. It's, Which, very again, interesting. it's archaeology, right? Uh, I know. I know. So, all right. Well, I've uh, probably got to get rid of this room here shortly, and then uh, and then we'll go. Um, but I'm hoping to have Adam on some more, uh, either on the Eight Bit Tispit podcast or on some other shows. And uh, and we'll absolutely look at stuff. So happy to. Um, and if you're if you're interested, we do have some hosts that are still considering doing some shows for this show. But if you are interested, if you're still subscribed to this feed, eleven months after the last episode came out, then thank you for that. Um, and thank you for app developers for not just, uh, get re- getting rid of feeds for stagnation. <laughs> Somebody would actually have had to unsubscribe to it. And most people I know that that podcast don't bother to unsubscribe to stuff. They just, they just, if leave something it. shows up in the feed, they listen to it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so thank you for that. And, uh, if you're interested or if you have any archeo gaming interest or topics, then, uh, please contact me, Chris at archeologypodcastnetwork.com. And I'll either put you in touch with the, um, the former semi current host of the show. Or I'll do an interview with you myself, and uh, we'll figure it out, because the, the whole point is to, to get some information out there. So, again, thanks a lot for listening, and thank you, Adam. You're welcome. This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle, in Reno, Nevada, at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.